Welcome to Get Off the Mic, a hockey podcast by hockey nerds for hockey nerds. Brought to you by the writers from GetOffTheIce.com. Welcome to Get Off the Mic. I'm your host, who's kind of bad at hosting, Mac. And with me, I've got two guys who also kind of suck. One is Aaron, and one is Paul. God, that's got to be the worst intro. (laughs) I mean, it hit creativity to the T. Really really shows the effort put into it. All right. (laughs) So, welcome to the episode. We've got a whole lot to talk about today. It is July 11th. How are you guys this morning? Not bad, but not good. <laughs> Finishing each other's sentences. It's quite oh, this is going to be a rough one. It can't be a rough one. So much stuff happened. <laughs> well, thankfully for us, a lot of hockey news happened over the past couple of days. At the beginning of the week, it was looking like we were going to have to do another trivia episode, which was so well received. So uh, we're glad that we get to talk about stuff. Things that we'll be talking about, the phase four is set. It's going to be happening pretty soon. There was a new CBA that helped create that. Players are starting to opt out of the phase four plan. New Jersey got a new head coach that no one likes and a bunch of rumors that we'll have to address whether they're true or just outlandish. But first, guys, we're bringing back the opening question, and it has nothing to do with hockey. What is your cringiest childhood moment? cringiest i'll start because i didn't frankly know we were going to do an opening question until i just decided so um i have it's not even hockey related yeah that should make it easier um no we know hockey better than we know ourselves Um, but (laughs) for our grade eight uh final project we had to do a movie and i was a i got to be part of a musical movie and it was a spoof on high school musical oh i actually do know this yeah well there's one specific part that that stands alone as the cringy. Oh, there's maybe two, but so I am, but I was the lead um, because I had a crush on a girl who was also in the thing in the movie. But you know that didn't work out because you had to hear me sing. Well, the cringiest moment came when uh, I had a solo song that we had to record in the music room. Uh, the editors lost the file, so at the last second, I had to record it in front of my entire graduating class the day before the movies were set to be presented and I can't sing. And it was behind blue eyes, which is all, you know, like that's like, if you want to choose a song to sing in front of a bunch of people that you're definitely uh, insecure with as a grade eight person behind blue eyes does not rank. A <laughs> it's a good song though. Yeah. It, oh, it's a fantastic song, but to sing it by yourself while everyone literally has to stay quiet because we couldn't rent out the music room. That probably does stand alone as my one cringiest moment. Now I'm interesting. Set, I've set the bar high for you guys. So yeah, Paul, Paul, I'm gonna bring it right back down. Uh, for me, I guess it was in high school. I used to have frosted tips. Oh God, I remember on that. New, and not even just the one time. It was like numerous occasions. Oh. And I used to wear like I would match my shoes, my colorful shoes, with like the same colored hoodie. In case, in case and anyone I, doesn't like, know what frosted pants. tips are, because those oh, are yeah. you know integral to the story. What what are frosted tips, Paul? Uh, Google search <laughs> anybody in like the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you have like blonde top of like your hair. Like you still have like I have black hair, but the top was like dyed blonde. So, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I actually thank also, you for 
allowing me to revisit this. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I, I can join you. And I used to have frosted tips when I was younger as well, but it was for oh. a different reason. Um, I was in swimming and I swam a lot, so, but I had long hair. So underneath my swim cap, my hair would like would pop out. So the chlorine bleached it. All right. That's very different. I willingly went somewhere to get this done. <laughs> Imagine being so. the hairdresser that has to has to do that for you. How did oh nobody say, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't do that. I'll let you make your own your own mistakes. Yeah. All right, Aaron. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking about the frosted tip story. <laughs> not. Okay. Oh god, those are hard to top. Um, I'll throw it way back and I'll ma- I'll even make it hockey related. So uh, when you start to learn to skate, everybody's like, you got to learn balance. And what something that was related to balance was ballet. So as a kid, my parents put me in ballet to help with my balance on the ice. Turns out I was the only guy in the class. And the cringiest moment for me in that was, it wasn't the ballet, that was fine. Like It wasn't ideal, but it, it was fine. And the cringiest moment was when everybody, for a big show that we had to do at the end of the ballet classes or a certain amount of time everybody was all the girls in the class were wearing some white tutu like typical ballet attire and then they look at me and they hand me a mushroom costume <laughs> so, like, i'm not even kidding with you i'm not even kidding i'm not why even, i don't know i don't remember so i was the only one in the entire show or performance of doing whatever. I remember this very vividly. Running across the stage in a mushroom suit. <laughs> but I did but I can laugh at it now saying it helped with my hockey and my ability to be around women. Not really. Yeah, the yeah. women part. <laughs> Maybe the oh, first part. Man. That is those are great. One. Well, I think we'll have to do some personal opening questions more often because, damn, those are funny. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on here before we mercilessly pick on each other for our various cringy things. Yes, I just want to say one thing to finalize that. It was not by choice, but continue. I would think so. <laughs> I'm sure you also didn't protest your mushroom costume. No anyway, comment. Um, first thing we'll talk about is phase four. Phase four is coming quickly. Dates, schedules, hotels have all been set. Um, they've clarified some things without actually clarifying anything. Remember that age-old debate where what does the qualifying round count for, playoffs or regular season? We have an answer. Well, we do, but it doesn't. The oh. points will be counting towards the playoffs, but it's still not considered the playoffs. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Bizarre. It's the, it's the playoffs without the playoffs. The new ambitious project. Yeah, so that one continues to make no sense. But to be honest, it's just kind of fun. Uh, so the dates, uh, I'm pretty sure teams are going to be flying to their hub cities on the 26th of July, correct? Yeah. or tw- It's it's end 24th, I think. 24th and 25th is some exhibition games. Then 26 or 27 would be the start of the prelims. No, the prelims for sure start on August 1st. Yeah. They're uh, starting at the start of the month. So I do think it is the 26th. I think they're flying on the 26th. uh, 28, 29 are exhibition games. So then you get a couple days in between. Um, And they're going to be staggering the schedule, which should be fun. Uh, So you won't have to, you know, flip through games to see what's going on. You can basically watch hockey from morning till night. 
the first two days of the qualifying round will have five games each day. And then for the rest of the round, which I think is another week after that, so nine or ten days in total, there's going to be six games per day. Wow, we're going to have a lot of content that, <laughs> at that point. Yep. yep. I'd say I the biggest piece of content is going to be who loses. I mean, yeah, because uh, the on August, pretty sure, 11th, uh, the second round of the draft is going to be held. August 12th is when the playoffs officially start, even though teams will already have had playoff points. And there we'll find out who gets to draft Lafreniere. But first, I want to know what you guys think of the weird situation when inevitably a player gets or catches the COVID when or during the tournament. So a player catches the disease. Mm -hmm. The NHL isn't allowed to say who's got it, obviously. And then all of a sudden, fans and media personnel like get notifications that, oh, this player wasn't on the ice for practice today oh this player isn't in the lineup today doesn't don't don't we kind of know then yes <laughs> it's gonna be yes. very obvious but like we're not supposed to talk about it either especially well, like media personnel like tsn sportsnet all them and nbc they're not like go- they're likely not going to talk about it like if yeah. like oh austin matthews isn't that isn't at practice and isn't in the lineup and we didn't see him get injured last game they aren't gonna be like well i mean he's probably got covid they're just going to ignore it and say, well, with him out of the lineup or something like that. I think that's going to be something kind of funny to, to watch for. Not funny in the they get it, but how everyone kind of interacts when we're not supposed to know, but we absolutely know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's all weird. But there was one serious thing that I wanted to talk about this. What happens when there's an outbreak on a team? So let's say qualifying round is passed. We are into the playoffs. Game seven. Toronto, Boston, 12 cases pop up on the Bruins. Now you're allowed to carry, Uh, I'm pretty sure, 10 players over the max. And, you know, 12 may sound like a lot. I think that's pretty fair considering how virulent it is um, and how quickly it does spread in the close quarters that everyone's in. Now, let me give you guys a bit of an example. Uh, With MLS having come back, they held their tournament, right? They didn't hold a full season, but a tournament. Nashville FC pulled out because they had nine confirmed cases and they couldn't field the team or they couldn't safely field it knowing that potentially their players that hadn't yet tested positive could be exposing the disease to the other team who they were playing against. So they just straight up dropped out and the team they were playing against, who I believe was Chicago, um, had there had to be a bit of a realignment in the tournament because all of a sudden one team is just out. What do you guys, what do you, first of all, do you think that this is could actually happen in the in the NHL playoffs. Like someone dropping out. Yep. I mean, no. it's always. Po- I think it's possible, but like, I don't think the NHL. I think the NHL would even bend its own rules to be able to. Let's because like look at Calgary. Hamnick's already pulled out. I know we're gonna get into that in a bit, but it's like there's one key piece already gone from your team. There's a definite possibility that they lose more guys, and there's only a certain amount. Let's say people do get injured or do catch COVID. Like the NHL is not gonna go through all of this to just have a team pull out. They would. I feel like they would amend their own rules in a sense to keep that team on the ice and playing. My but, opinion, at least. But that team would then be exposing potentially be exposing it to another team who one of those teams is going to move on to the next round and play a new team, mm-hmm. right? And then there's there's an easy, you know, A to B, B to C train you can make there. I mean, you could just put a rec to. Well, the biggest thing like for close quarters is battles in the corner hits fights 
and like trash talking face to face. So like if you can figure out a way to kind of not put somebody face to face or just keep a little bit of a distance or even add more uh, discipline, like let's say if you fight, you're, you're not done for five minutes, you're done for the game. Try and like take that away. Instead of wearing visors, you wear uh, uh, fish bowls or like full. Like, for those for those who don't know what a fish bowl is, like full protective uh, face shields. Face shields. It's like there's ways to get around it where they're not going to be super close, but and like ways to try and prevent the distance. In my opinion, I'm gonna be honest. I don't think any of those would actually work except for the fish bowl. I think the fish bowl was, should have been a mandatory thing, but the, the NHL isn't making it mandatory. They're going to be able to wear whatever visor or lack of visor they would like. And because, like, you can't avoid hits. You can't avoid people sweating or – I mean, you can't avoid people spitting on the ice, but I don't think that the NHL players will stop doing that. Nope. You know, there's so many things that you can't control in such a physical and contact sport. That, Especially heat of the moment type things, like yeah, a battle in exactly. front of the nets. You're telling me a guy's going to just lay off because of – restrictions like they should but it's heat of the moment you know you're caught up in the game you forget things and you just go at each other so back to kind of a team potentially pulling out in the new cba and specifically the uh return to play protocol part uh they reserved a right or they had an exit clause basically where if the integrity of the tournament or the integrity of the teams uh are compromised then they could basically scrap it right then and there. The whole thing. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that they would do that. What I'm saying is that that maybe sets a precedent for a team pulling out. Let's say, let's say, you know, it's Colorado and Colorado's got an outbreak and it's Makar, Grubauer, McKinnon, Landisgog, Kadri, and Rantanen. Now you just basically have a bottom six team and AHLers playing. And some people could genuinely consider that kind of, uh, the compromising of in, the integrity of the tournament because obviously that isn't the same Colorado team. If you're missing one star or even two, you could even stretch that. If you're missing a couple bottom six players because of this, you can you can argue that. But if you're kind of missing your core, that does pose an issue. Except for New York, who doesn't really have a core. Sorry, the Islanders. Barzal. I know he's the core. That's it. Exactly. So Barzal goes down and they're out. <laughs> um, no. Uh, what, what do you got? What do you guys think about this integrity clause? Basically, like even when you're saying it, I know this isn't what you're getting at, but it's kind of messed up how like we think of it as like, all right, if a star gets it, it's way worse than it's like what Aaron said a couple podcasts ago. We wouldn't be talking about if Martin Marincin got it versus when we supposedly know that Matthews has it. Like the integrity uh-huh. should be not really for the team, but for the players themselves and the, their own safety. Yep. So even if it is a couple bottom six guys or even scratches who get it, if half of them have it, then that's not good. <laughs> so that's kind of getting to the integrity part, I guess, if that made sense. No, I know. It's a, it's a weird situation because, and I, obviously it's all motivated by money. And I think the NHL wrote that in when looking kind of at the Pyeongchang 2018 Olympics. Obviously the integrity of the quality of the competition was definitely compromised with the NHL not being allowed to go. And no disrespect to Germany, but I don't think Germany makes it to the Olympic final uh, and in the event that NHL players are allowed to go. But nevertheless, uh, that, that it, it tanked. The 2018 hockey or Olympic hockey tanked. No one watched besides Russia, who didn't actually even get to get credit for their medal. But 
I think I think they just look at it as if we can't put out our best product or even close to it, then there's no point. And there is a genuine moral issue that Paul was talking about that Aaron did talk about. But that's something to at least think about. And just to bookend this, I do think that there is a genuine possibility that a team will pull out because I, I don't know. I could, ju- I could just see it happening. Never but anyway, never. as we alluded to, there is a new CBA deal that helped this return to play come into action. Um, that means that we have labor peace for another six years, uh, four years on top of the remaining two in the last deal. Um, some of the more important notes. One, we didn't need a goddamn lockout to do it. The first time in the Gary Bettman era that we didn't need a lockout to make sure that they had labor peace. I mean, could this not technically be considered a lockout-esque? No, because they're not locked out. They are banned from going because they might die. That's, I think that counts as different. <laughs> but I mean, it's a but risk. It took an, yeah, no. it took an extended yes, yes, period yes. of time that's away from I hockey meant. to get that's it done. That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah, but it's not a lockout. They didn't they didn't no. ban the players from playing or anything like that. So it's not a lockout. And frankly, at least they did something productive with their time off. Um, there were a bunch of small changes, but altogether the CBA is basically the same thing that we've had since 2005 with basic modifications here and there. But new in this one, uh, this I didn't even... Actually, I knew this was there, but I found it stupid that this wasn't already a rule. But, but trade protection now follows a player. So you, you remember that whole thing where if a player signs a contract with a no-move clause and they waive it for a team to trade them, they've now waived it forever. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know so, that was a thing. So I didn't, didn't when, either. So when Subban, Subban got traded from Montreal to uh, Nashville two days before his no-trade clause kicked in, let alone waiving it. So when he got traded to Nashville, since he was traded, he didn't have a no-movement clause anymore. That's why they were able to trade him wherever they pleased, which it turned out to be New Jersey. Huh. So now, basically, the owners are like, okay, we'll honor what we, you know, signed. I mean, I didn't trust it at all. I know. Well, it, it, I mean, frankly, it was stupid. If, you, if you're guaranteed that in your contract, it shouldn't be voided because of technicalities or because you opted to help your team once, right? Yeah. Anyway, so that's a small thing that, uh, that got changed. There's less recapture penalty. Recapture penalties is basically when uh, a team is penalized for a player having retired uh, before the end of their contract, specifically if that contract was one that was backdiving. So uh, it was, you know, they paid them a lot up front, but they paid, got paid like a million towards the end um, just to get the annual average value down. Uh, the only team to actually be affected by this was Vancouver. Frankly, recapture shouldn't be a thing. It's kind of stupid. So they should just give Vancouver $3 million that they had to pay for it this year and be like, okay, we're, we're all square. No recapture anymore. But at least they're making some effort. And finally, I think this is my favorite small change. Uh, entry, there's more entry-level bonuses. So, you know, entry-level contracts, you're able to get more, um, including uh, if you win awards, you can, you can get them. But you could already have gotten bonuses if you won like things like the Rocket and the Art Ross and Harder if you were a finalist and all things like that everything like that but now you can win the messier leadership award and get an entry-level bonus wow i already forget what that trophy is it's one where messier unilaterally decides who was the best <laughs> leader in the league i'm not kidding there's no voting i know we talked about this but like it's just how what <laughs> so messier can NHL, basically decide if he wants a random player to get an entry-level bonus if they're on their entry-level deal obviously but yeah yeah, yeah. i i, I like it. it i think it's funny. But let's be honest, 
there were two big changes, and we'll talk about them sequentially here. First, the Olympics. We're back. Thank As I mentioned that. earlier, we the NHL missed one Olympics in 2018 in Pyeongchang, but pending the IOC uh, decision on whether they're going to allow the NHL back in, which is basically all said and done that they are, uh, the players are guaranteed to be going to Beijing in 2022 and Milan in 2026. What do we think about this? I'm super, 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 super excited. You sound like and, it. Thank you. No, I'm I honestly like not having a, I'm not going to say a Canadian team because they were there, but a good Canadian team in the last Olympics was just really, really disappointing. Um, I love watching the Olympics. It's something I look forward to, especially the hockey part, because what are the odds that you just get all those guys from your country that represent where you're like, I just I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to so say excited. the odds are about one in four. Well, based on years. Well, yeah, but then it didn't happen. I know. Last I'm just, be, I'm just being an ass. I, um, I know. But I'm, uh, no, I'm super oh, excited. No. So I'm going to ask you a question, Mac, because you're kind of like the Olympic expert. Is the Olympics technically considered like amateur athletes? Like, wasn't that the thing, or am I getting that mixed up? No, no. you're right. It was considered amateur athletes. Yeah. So, like, I'm obviously I'm really excited because I love seeing the best take on the best in the world. But, like, the other side of it, like, it was kind of interesting to see Team Canada put out a team that wasn't NHL stars. Like, I kind of like the idea of having amateurs play in a, in a tournament. And go watch the Spengler Cup. That, not the same, though. No, I know but, what like, you mean. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there, yeah, there's an extra I'm, bit of wrinkle. Like, I yeah. think, it, like, you know how Kale McCarr got the invite to 2018. Um, but something I didn't know is, remember, obviously, Lindros in 92. 90- one was the number one pick or was it 92 either way and he he said he sat out the next year by sitting out the next year he qualified as an amateur to play for canada at the 1992 winter olympics he was like one of the first or like only players to be allowed to do that and then go play for the world juniors in the same year yeah like it's it's it does make it kind of fun but i'm with aaron obviously yeah Yeah. it's a best on best this is what you look forward to I think so. if we had never gotten the NHL in the Olympics, uh, we would. I'd be kind of like, eh, who cares? I kind of like the amateur in it, amateur ish of amateur. Oh my god, the the fact right. that they were amateurs. No, I'm not all right. But since we've like, had in the in the Olympics, it's fun. You could always do like this. Is really this probably isn't a very popular idea, but like you could leave NHL players out of the Olympics and have it be amateurs, like it's supposed to, and then focus more on like. World Cup of Hockey or something, so you still have you get the best of both. But you know, guys want to play for their country and win a gold medal. Like it's just now that's the the standard. Like that's the number one thing that a lot of guys want to chase. Like some want it that more than they want a Stanley Cup. Well, for Europeans, they don't grow up wanting uh, a Stanley Cup. They want a gold medal. Like that's their thing. Like yeah. it, it was even I think it was Ovechkin who even said that. Like he grew up wanting a gold medal. The Stanley Cup was just kind of like another award to him because he just never grew up watching North American hockey. Yeah, especially but, guys in Russia. Yeah, no, like, for sure. They grow up in that system. That's all they know. Exactly. Or that, at least before like the McGillney era when he came over. But yeah, yeah I, see, I know what you mean. I would say, oh God, um, no. I, I'm really excited to have it back. I agree that maybe there should be more amateurism, but it's like, if you focus on the World Cup of Hockey more, that was more the NHL's doing versus the IOC, the COC, and like 
all the Olympics in general. But that was just more hockey-based, NHL-based for revenue, in my opinion, where now you're looking at more international exposure versus holding something within North America for hockey again. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be clear on my stance. I'm very happy the NHL is back in the Olympics. That yeah. was my oh, number one. Yeah. I'm on the, oh, I'm yeah, on the yeah. same page. I but was there, just, we were just, you know, yeah. there, there were other conversations. But no, this was good. This was great. We're happy it's back. We'll finally get to see players like uh, Matthews and Kane or like, you know, play for their country. Same with McDavid and Crosby and McKinnon and all that. Uh, you'll get to see Pedersen and Carlson share the ice and all that. Like it, the Olympics are, are second to none. So we yeah. get to see some pr- very premature lineup projections already. Oh my God. Yeah. My favorite. Nathan McKinnon, Team Canada. We Thank get to you, see Aaron. Drew Doughty when he's 45 years old. And still considered a top four defenseman. Yep. Uh, or top pairing. <laughs> um, but anyway, the second big change, which is not nearly as fun, is that we have cap clarity as well. So for Ooh. the next three seasons, it's presumed we're going to have a flat cap, which means that the uh, salary cap in the NHL will remain at 81.5. Um, there's provisions based on uh, expected and actual revenue or across a, cert- a three-year period that will determine what the cap is. That'll be going on for a little while. But because of that, that means that I think it's kind of thought that for the next six years, the cap will go up about $2 million. Yikes. Granted, that could kind of be seen as a compromise considering if it was just based on revenue. Um, I think so, I read somewhere that the cap would be below 70. That's insane. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the, you know, pandemic that's how much stuff. I lost it this year. Yeah. Well, remember it was like 70 or 60% of their revenue comes in the playoffs. Like, yeah. That's nuts. And I'm pretty sure 75% of all hockey related revenue is from, you know, in-game stuff. So like concessions, tickets, uh, well, raffles, beer costs $40,000. Um, so yeah, that sucks. I don't think we'll we'll spend too much time on this. If you want to figure out which teams are going to be hurt by this, you can literally look that up anywhere. Everyone's done it. So, yeah. Moving on, though, to what might be the biggest news, as we've seen in baseball and basketball, basketball especially, players are starting to opt out of the return to play. And the NHL had their, I'm going to say first, even though it was kind of like half because Roman Polak, but... Travis yeah. Hamanick announced last night that he is not going to be returning uh, for specifically for this season. He intends to play after, but due to family considerations, I believe his his daughter had health complications when she was a little younger, and he and his wife and his children and his, the rest of the family talked about it, and he didn't want to run the risk of potentially, you know, exposing his family and specifically his daughter to any any more uh, healthcare hardships. So he hopped out. And I mean, A, obviously respect the decision. And to be honest, I still morally don't think this should be happening. I don't think we should be doing this. But as a hockey fan, I'm super excited. So it's totally cool that he's hopped or opted out. This morning, there's rumors that a second NHL player has opted out. Vancouver Canucks, Sven Berchi. Um, you know, bottom six guy, but still uh, definitely, and definitely NHL regular. The ball seems to be rolling, guys. What do you, what do you think? Paul, you want to go first? Sure. I'm honestly surprised that we've gotten the first couple already because, unfortunately, you talk about hockey culture and part of it is like, oh, I have to go play for my team no matter what. But 
you know, there's a lot of risk that goes into that going back to and playing in uh, during a pandemic. So good for Hamannick on being one of the first guys topped out. You have to consider your family's health, your own. Maybe you'll start to see more guys doing it. And especially big for Hamannick too, because he's a UFA coming up. Yep. So, you know, playoffs can be a time where you can shine and make an extra couple million bucks in the off season. But he's decided that his family is worth more than money, which is duh. But the NHL, you know, like we've said before, is all about the money. So good for Hamannick, good for Bereshi too. Hopefully other guys really start to consider the pros and cons of returning. And that if they're not comfortable doing it, that yeah, they don't do don't, it. Don't worry about what your teammates or fans will think. Yeah. Just, you know, safety first. What happens when a star does it? Like, obviously, I think we've outlined that morally. We're totally on board with that. And in fact, for the most part, we kind of recommend it. But from a fan standpoint, you know, Bergeron says no. Matthew says no. Because maybe he, maybe he already had it. Who knows? But, you know, he's been hanging around with his family a lot. And he wants to spend time with them and doesn't want to get them hurt. Cool. Um, here, here, I'll just throw it. So we had talked about opting out for family reasons for Hamannick. And I saw yesterday Bo Horvat decided to play in uh, like the, the se- if the season returns. But he's leaving his wife and his newborn kid, like very newborn kid at home, to go play. Yep. Why would you – I get you want to go and play because it's been a while. You want to finish the season, Vancouver's in the playoffs, or play-ins, whatever you want to call it for them. That's a consideration for me that you made the wrong choice. I'm sorry, like your newborn and your wife at home need you now more than ever. And you have the option to be at home with them. And you're choosing to go when, again, I'm with Paul and you, where it's Hamnick had the right idea. He put his family first. That's something that I, again, this is my belief. Everybody can have their own opinion. I believe that Horvat, if, if, if he should have been given the option to opt out, which he was, he should have taken it. Why would you? I I don't think it's fair to say anyone's making a wrong decision. No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. You you literally said wrong decision, but that's not what I mean. mean, For family value wise, is what we just touched on. Family for a lot of players, they don't get to really. If they have a kid, it has to be in the off season, and they're only around for a little bit while they're not training. Then they go, and it's full on hockey, right? If given the opportunity to be around with for your kid and with your wife while they while the kid's young and born newborn and whatnot a lot of players say they end up regretting not being able to be there more that's and all yet, i'm saying a lot of them went and that's because these guys you know live and live and breathe hockey and that's kind of all they know and i mean another and i'm not saying you're outright wrong but you gotta like there's obvious considerations that he had to make too like you know mm-hmm. he's he's the captain that's yeah. part of that hockey culture thing though which not the greatest but and i but i also think it's unfair to say or to assume and i'm not saying that you did but in the presentation of the argument it sounds as though he made the uh he made the decision unilaterally like i'm i'm sure he doesn't make that decision without consulting his wife and no for sure members of his family and making sure they're comfortable enough to do it obviously yeah you (laughs) we can sit here and say that we you know spend the time with our newborn but I mean, you also have a shot at the cup. When's that ever going to happen again? You have no idea. Ask Aginla. <laughs> like, there's, there isn't, there is, doesn't always have to be a right or wrong. There's, there's just considerations both ways. And, you know, it, it's such a fluid and confusing situation that we're in, let alone what players who are deciding between 
fulfilling their lifelong dream or trying to be there for their family as well. You know, there, there's so much to consider there. And especially if their family's giving them the okay, maybe her mom's sticking around, you know, who knows, but there, I don't know. It's just, it, it seems unfair to judge him for, for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. Just don't ask uh, hockey Twitter. Yeah. Don't ask. Yeah. Hockey Twitter. Is- it's, it's their job. They, they have to go. They're getting Man. paid to do so. Like, shut up. Like even I disagreed with Aaron there and I don't know if Aaron fully agreed with my retort, but you know, we were just respectful about it. You can't get that on hockey Twitter. (laughs) Just people (laughs) being normal, literally just having a a conversation. But anyway, it'll be definitely fascinating to keep our eye out on, you know, who continues to opt out and how that may affect teams and whether the snowball will, will get bigger, but we do have to move on to our last bit of hockey news. Alain Nasruddin was not enough for the Devils. Lindy Ruff, famous for declaring Buffalo a Stanley Cup champion when they very much did not win a Stanley Cup, is the new head coach of the New Jersey Devils. And New Jersey fans are not happy. Now, why aren't they happy with a guy who has a pretty sterling regular season record, uh, a trip to the conference final, to the Stanley Cup final on his resume? and seems pretty good at managing a defense. Why are New Jersey fans not happy? Paul? I don't know. I, like, I don't know. I, like, okay, let me back it up. As someone who watched a lot of Buffalo games when he was the coach, he did a pretty good job with the team. And then he kind of went on, I think was, like, to Dallas. He moved around a bit, didn't get the results. Then he was assistant coach with New York. And apparently New York fans hated him. And I guess maybe that bled into... New Jersey fans being like, why are we hiring this guy? Like, it was kind of like when the Leafs hired Hackstall as the defensive coach when the Flyers had awful defensive numbers. So maybe that's why. But I don't think it's the worst, but there was a lot of other options out there. Well, that's and I'm curious kind of, as to, yeah. That was like, the I know, impression that I got was, yeah, that's why they're mad was coaches like Gerard Gallant and Peter Laviolette and Bruce Boudreaux we're out there and well, I they, heard that sorry? I heard that Gallant was the main target but he declined because he felt like New Jersey was too far away from contending and Gallant wants to go to I guess a more established team but I don't know about the other guys well there's apparently there's a lot of rumors out there um, I heard that they didn't interview Boudreaux which I don't know why you wouldn't but I also heard that the reason that they didn't end up going with Gallant was less so that Gallant said no to them, but they said no to Gallant because whenever he kind of goes to coach a place, he doesn't really want interference from management on lineup decisions, Uh, which is part of the reason why he got canned in uh, Florida and the Devils weren't comfortable giving him that much leeway. Um, And apparently Laviolette just priced himself out. So was Lindy Ruff just the cheap option, Aaron? Like, you can look at the successes from other coaches, but they, again, you don't hire a coach just because he's cheap. You, if you find the right coach to what you think your team needs, you're will, you should be willing to do whatever it is to get them. Like you can always resort back to Toronto and Babcock, like just stupidly overpaying him, but they thought that's the coach they needed because of the experience with the young core coming up. To be honest, I think they got a good coach in Lindy Ruff. He's got, uh, we touched on it, he's got great regular season experience. Not too, too much playoff, not experience, but deep success. 
but I feel like for New Jersey, he's exactly what they need. He's got the same, not qualifications as Babcock, but the experience-wise to coming into a younger team. He can run a, he can run a defense, as mentioned, or like shape the defense, where New Jersey really needs to work on that after trading away, or, or not trading away, trading for PK, uh, then trading away Vatnin, and they don't really have a stable defense core, and this could really help in the defensive system. And it could also give New Jersey regular season success, like we touched on. He has really good regular season success. And it could be something to project them that they're not in the lottery, and it's something that's like a stepping, it's a stepping stone forward. Now, may he, 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 I can't sit here and say he's going to be the coach of taking the cup, but it's progression, right? You got to do one step at a time. And at this moment, I think Lindy Ruff would be the perfect fit for New Jersey to help them take the next step for the organization. Not because their next step isn't the cup. Like they are, they are nowhere near that. The next step would be developing what they have to try and get into the playoffs and, and find regular season success consistently. And doing that for the young players that they have will inevitably help them in the long run. I don't fully agree that he's the right coach, but part of that is I don't also agree what their next step is. So I don't, I think that they're about to go back into another rebuild and one that they never got out of. Well, they slow, they got out of it with Taylor Hall, thankfully, but then with trading Taylor Hall and starting to sell at the deadline and their top prospects, not performing as they necessarily were hoping that they would. I think that they've got, way more runway than even their fans think and but I actually think their their management kind of sees that but what I don't understand is I agree that Lindy Ruff is that is a great coach probably to take that next step to going from you know like the Rangers next step that they took this year you know they were garbage last year but they took a step and they were pushing for regular season success and their stars took another step but I think what they need right now over in New Jersey is someone that'll just be able to help their young players, either with confidence or with how they perform, they don't need to take the next step right now. They need just specifically a couple players to their core players to get better. And Lindy Ruff has never really had much experience with that. Like with his that Buffalo those Buffalo teams in the late nineties, early two thousands, they were all veteran teams and he did fantastically with them, but they never really had many young players that needed to focus on ushering into the league or helping with transition from, you know, just a normal player to a star. And same with Dallas. You can argue that it was Sagan, but I mean, I, I think he was basically already there by the time that uh, Lindy Ruff came around. So I don't know. Like, I, I just find it as an interesting pick and I'd be remiss not to say that Lindy Ruff was Tom Fitzgerald's favorite coach when he played in Florida. Right. And now he's got the interim GM tag removed. So yeah, this is like just another personal helping a buddy out kind of thing. Yeah, like the, well, that's what, it. well, that's what I'm getting at. And I don't think that was obviously the main reason, but I don't think it hurts that. Oh, I like to play under this guy. He's not nearly as expensive, and he doesn't want as much control as these other guys. And he's a nice guy, and he seems to be a good coach, right? Uh, I just don't, I th- I feel like there was evaluating the situation of the Devils was not as much of a priority as it needed to be in this hire, and I think that might be why New Jersey fans are mad. Am I way off base here, or like no. am I am I making shit? I don't up? think I don't think you're off base. I, I just you also got to think like who really wants to walk into the tire fire that New Jersey is, right? Like Paul touched on it, like with Galan, like or you touched on it. I, I kind of zoned out because whatever. <laughs> 
but what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I, I forgot who was talking, but I was listening. Aaron's it not was, back on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was um, Gallant wants to go to a winning team or a contending team. Not many, like not many people want to just walk into a rebuilding team. Like if if that's what they're gonna do, like you said, Mac, and and take that head on and be like, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna work out for me long term. That's not confidence because with a rebuilding team, you're gonna want to see results in a certain amount of time, especially with New Jersey having two, two first overall picks in the last three years. So you're gonna want to definitely see some kind of results of some of some sort. Like some, that's why I'm saying their next step isn't the playoffs, or like that would be their ultimate next step, but. Go. It's exact. I was going hand in hand with what you were saying. It's taking those young players and getting them that regular season success, and and building that winning mentality for them, and knowing what they have to do to win. That's that's the whole reason why I believe they brought Lindy Ruff in. He's not going to be the one to get them over the hump to get them deep in the playoffs or whatnot, but he's going to be the one to come in and add that stabilization for the regular season success over the next year couple of years i hope a couple of years because it would be really bad if they fire him again and anyway that is why i believe lindy ruff is a good fit for the team they're not looking at him as the long-term fix they're looking at him as the right now he's the short-term coaching fix with the that will help in the long-term solutions with our young players i really liked how you compared it to babcock when the leafs were at that stage of hiring a new coach babcock was great for like you said he helped you know, get that mentality, help kind of bring up the young guys. But then it got to a point where, like you said, he couldn't get them over the hub. They couldn't get past the first round. It was getting stale. You had to fire him. So exactly. maybe Lindy Ruff's the same way. You're not, like you said, maybe you're not looking at it for a long term. It's just, you know, get us through this patch. We'll reevaluate things, see. Then maybe you go after a bigger name coach. And now, look, I could be completely wrong, too. Lindy Ruff could, he, yeah, Lindy, could all fail he, and just crash and burn. He could all fail and crash. Or, or it could go the complete opposite way, and he could somehow lead them to a cup in the next five years. Like, who knows? Like I do. They're not. <laughs> you never know, man. Did you think Vegas was making the cup final in their first year? Absolutely yeah, not. I called it. I called they, it. Vegas, okay. I knew Vegas was going to be good. I didn't literally put money down that they'd come bottom five in the league. Well, that didn't happen. should start. No, I... I I did. I put money down that they were going to be one of the five worst teams in the league. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but that. But the point being, it's like, yeah, Gallant in that year worked wonders. Lindy Ruff does not have what Vegas had. So for me, the next step for them would be trying to make the playoffs, wild card, whatever it is, and getting consistency in those young guys. And that's why I believe that it was a good hire for New Jersey. Not the perfect hire, but a good hire. All right. Well, that'd be definitely something to watch, and uh, we'll have to wait to see which teams get swept out of the out of the qualifying round to figure out where Gallant, Laviolette, and Bedreau will be going. The last thing we'll talk about before we get to our trivia, guys, is a very odd uh, post that you guys sent me yesterday. Vancouver's exploring the idea of trading Besser? What? Okay, well, you guys don't have to act surprised. You guys <laughs> sent it to me, but yeah, this is bizarre. Uh why? Well, we know why, but oh, I um, mean, I didn't read it. I mean, I zoned out. I, I, yeah, I just. <laughs> so, Paul, why, why is Vancouver looking to trade their second best, or I guess third now, best player? Well, I don't know if this is like exactly why, but I'm guessing it's because they signed far too many bad contracts. Yep, and they can't afford him because he's making what now, like close to six, like five point eight. 
uh, five point eight. Yeah. Yeah. So they went out and they signed Tyler Myers to a not good contract. Uh, you can look at like Michael Furlan. Is he really worth a three, four million dollars? No. Uh, JB Beagle, Antoine Roussel. Exactly. So on like and so forth. Um, what's his name? GM there. Uh, Benning. Benning. Thank you. Benning, unbelievable draft guy. He seems to always find great picks, but when it comes to the off season, my God, he's probably the worst GM no, for signing contracts. Away. Yeah, you like if he just didn't make those signings, Vancouver would be legit. Oh yeah. And to now you're fair. gonna have to trade one of your star young guys because you went out and signed mediocre guys. Like it's just be, bad management there. To be fair though, you had to overpay guys like Beagle and Roussel at that time. Well, don't, don't don't sign them. <laughs> yeah you don't have to like why like you, you, they got them to play on the fourth line but the fourth line can generally be done with two-way players sorry two-way as in contract two-way players that can yo-yo between the nhl and ahl on minimum contracts or, i think they also wanted that like veteran bottom six presence jason spezza sounds like an ideal move there on yeah one year, one gotta get more dollar. creative yeah like it just i i know what you mean and to be honest the players that he picked were perfect for the fourth line. Yep. Like, they really were. Roussel and Beagle, those are those that's like an ideal fourth line. But you didn't you have to overpay. You can't overpay for an ideal fourth line. You can overpay for an ideal first line or first pairing or top, top. goaltender, but fourth but line? But here's the thing. I don't think they tr- even though they're like looking into it, I don't think they truly need to trade him. They really don't because his contract's locked in for another what 2 years after this at 5.8 and then he's an R. Pardon? The capper capture is going up for them. Even though I said that they were addressing it, they didn't address it all that much. Mm. What they addressed in the CBA is that now the capture penalty cannot be as high as what the AAV was. So that means that Nashville will never have that weird scenario where they were going to get $24 million in capper capture um, if uh, Weber retired a year early. But that means that they, they're still going to have a $6 million cap hit because of the luongo retire right that and that's like, where like it's going up right with along with the flat cap because like you yeah. you aren't wrong they don't have to but they're they have an artificial extra extra yeah. beagle coming in <laughs> because so, like it's not even that also though. this you Sorry. have yeah. louis erickson at six yeah. million dollars for three more years you have they want to re-sign tyler to foley how much is he gonna make probably gonna overpay for him too then you have you know Pedersen's got one more season after this. He's an RFA. You have yeah, he's he's making double digits at least. You have Quinn Hughes. He's going to be up in the same time. So yikes! All right. So then, I, all I'm going to say is aligning with those years. So we got Toffoli up after this year. The yep. only other person you have up is Tanev. That's making significant money. Tanev yep. and Deming. So Tanev, Louis. Yeah, Louis to me. No. Yes. So you're gonna have to choose between <laughs> one of Tafoli. You're gonna choose between one of Tafoli and Tanev. Realistically, who's staying? And it's like, okay, well, which one's more valuable to you? You already have Myers and Stetcher on the right side. Do you really want a 30 year old Tanev, or do you want to keep a guy you just brought in who had good success two years younger? I would say they go Tafoli. Then it leaves them with a little bit of extra money going into the season next year. That gets eaten up. That gets eaten up. Yeah. Yep. And then they also have Levo, who becomes a UFA. They got Deming. They got 
Vandenberg, like they're going to have, it's going to get eaten. That cap's gone realistically. But by the time Besser's up the same year, Louis Erickson's deals up at 6 million, the same year, uh, Jay Beagle's up at 3 million, the same year Roussel's up at 3 million. So that right there, that's a good chunk of money. Well, the issue but, isn't, isn't like re or re-signing Besser at the end of his contract. The, the issue is getting there, right? Yeah. You're totally right. That six million dollars that Erickson makes will probably well, I mean, it'll probably go to a fourth liner, but in theory it goes it gets split between a whole bunch of people and it wouldn't be terribly hard to sign mm-hmm. to sign Besser, even after the Quinn Hughes and Pedersen contracts, given all the things around him that have now come up. But getting there is gonna be a pain because no well, one's gonna take that Erickson contract. I mean never I don't I wouldn't say never say never. Honestly, I'll like Vancouver's Vancouver's got some really good prospects. <laughs> Honestly, like I could see them being able to really dump Erickson's contract, but they'd have to be willing to give up something of value. Yeah. Now, if if I'm Vancouver and I look at what I have coming up, there's Jet Wu. It's a goalie. Well, you got to you you give a goalie, right? You give DPS yeah, yeah. likely. Yeah, Which is also another thing to bring up is Markstrom's up mm-hmm. this summer. He needs a new contract this summer. Well then, here's a well. Something that I thought of was, Whoa, Holy, that's what I can you never, thought of? No, something else. Like, I'm just saying something I thought of, and I can never pronounce this guy's name. Holy Yulevi. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't really panned out so far. He's played what two, three years in Utica, a year, two years in Utica, something like that. Why not try and package him with a bad contract? Because again, their defense is looking all right right now. It's looking all right. I'm not going to say great. Package them, get rid of a big contract, and then it just solves so many problems. Because who's going to take it? Because for the exact reason that Yo Levy hasn't panned out very well, who wants to run that risk, right? Like, there's a reason he I mean, hasn't been traded. Either he's too valuable, which likely isn't um, it, but he was the fifth overall pick who can't crack the NHL, crack an NHL lineup. It, I don't know how much value he'd have. In I mean, I don't, I don't know what Detroit has to lose at this point. Really, don't don't know what Ottawa has to lose at this point. No, you're right. You're it's totally not a bad idea. Right. Like, like again, cool, for cool. De- Detroit, for sure, I would be willing to risk that. Like, I, I'm going to need to hit the floor. No, you're you you are right. But in the same way, those teams don't necessarily want to help out every team, right? I don't know who has a vendetta against Vancouver, but those are a lot of the reasons why teams with cap space don't want to do it. Also, well, Ottawa won't do it because Melnick and money, but Detroit could be an option. But either way, yeah. Prince Charming will let's be honest, likely stay in Vancouver, but it's interesting that they're looking into trading him. But we got to get to it. Last segment, always last segment, good segment. That's our trivia. Today we're bringing back an old but a favorite. It's not even Oldie but old. a goodie. That's it. The active games trivia thing. We're, okay, <laughs> the guess who for players that have played over a thousand games. Well, there you go. Way more succinct. Uh, just to refresh your memory. Our contestants have 20 questions to try and guess which active player my document has produced. The active player has played over a thousand games. That is the only prerequisite and that they are still playing, obviously. They can ask yes or no questions. I will have their the hockey reference page up. They have, I think I gave you guys three guesses plus the final one, but you never used more than one. So you guys, I'm making it a little harder. You only got one guess. And a final guess. So you got two guesses in total. That's basically it. So you got, no, don't pick a number. The computer is picking the number and the number is picked. Let me pull up his 
is HockeyDB. And we are off and running. Remember, don't pull a Steve and just try and narrow the team. That is not good content. I loved it, personally. <laughs> All right. Whenever you guys are ready. And they're active. Uh, like they do, ru- they go on runs and stuff. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Love the sarcasm. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, all right, Paul, what do you want to do? Guess the team? <laughs> <laughs> Let's guess the division down. Uh, all right. Does this player play in the Western Conference? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does he play in the Pacific? Yeah. Okay. Does okay. I'm player- instituting a new rule. You can only get it down to division. Oh, well, okay. Fine. Right. Just Has in case. Play- Sorry, go, Aaron. Has this player won a Stanley Cup? Yes. There you go. With his current team? Yes. All right. Hmm. Um, we could go nationality or position. Well, How many options do we have? One, two. Okay. Is this oh. player... Yeah, I, I do nationality. Is this player Canadian? No. No. Okay. All right. But he's won a Stanley Cup. So who's in the Pacific that's won somewhat recently? Los Angeles. Well, if they've played a thousand games, they could have. They could be going back to the mid two thousands too. Yeah, but still nobody in that division really. I mean, I'll I'll help you guys out. Anaheim, maybe. Yeah. No. From '06 on, it's Carolina, Anaheim, uh, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Boston. Those don't help us because they're not in that division, Mac. I know. Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. All right, so it's uh, most likely I, I, Anaheim or LA, one of the two. So who's on that team? That's well, we got old. Scary Larry and Getzlaff. He's Canadian. Yeah, those don't work. Uh, Smelly Brown. Ooh, what about... Smelly Brown. <laughs> is What's David Backus? Is he Canadian? American. Okay, is this player American? No. Oh, wait, he didn't win a cup. Oops. GG. Oh, wait, it's not a Canadian, not, not an American, a- that's won a cup in the Pacific Division. Paul, come on. I'm proud of you, Aaron. Come on. Make Paul think. No, I don't like thinking. <laughs> Come, on. Come on, Paul. It's not Smelly Brown. Right, but... Aaron, you got it. But let's 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 let Paul figure this out. All right. Oh, All right. Is it Dustin Brown? No, no, no. It's not <laughs> Smelly Brown. It's not oh. Dustin Brown. Is this? Oh, is Anze? It Brown? Yes. Yes, Anze Kopitar. Well done. That one was pretty easy. I kind of forgot he existed. To be honest. <laughs> wow, that's rude. That's, that's rude bad. to everybody in Slovenia. I know he's a great player, but I just kind of. Jose Kopitar ranks 17th in active players in games played, 1,073. He won't be upping that number because LA sucks. All right. We'll see how the next one goes, but I may have to make this even harder. We'll see. All right. No, I couldn't even guess Kopitar. I'm going to make it harder. Smelly okay. Brown. We are rip roaring, folks. Is this player in the Eastern Conference? <laughs> maybe. What do you mean maybe? Sorry, that does not count as a good answer. No, it's not in the Eastern Conference. Is this player in the Pacific Division? No. Hey, well, there you go, Paul. All right, Central. Do you want to just repeat the same questions? Yeah, go for it. Uh, okay. Has this player won a Stanley Cup? No. All right. Is this player Canadian? No. All right. Riveting. You know, Aaron, if you're going to be so so snarky, maybe we should do a quiz on what did Mac and Paul say this episode? And did it <laughs> I would ace that. What are you saying? <laughs> all right you keep on going is this player a forward yes wait who's in the central again uh Arizona we're going back sure. we're going back to <laughs> we're going back a couple podcasts now central st louis colorado yeah dallas nashville dallas wait was it a canadian or no no, no. not a canadian 
non-Canadian forward. Uh, was this player drafted by the teams currently on? Yes. Yes. What? Interesting. I mean, we could be pulling a Dan Hamuse where he gets drafted by Nashville. Oh, my No. (laughs) This would be so much easier if you just let us narrow it down by team. No. That's boring. I got to make you guys – because, like, then it's so easy. He's on the same team that drafted. Hasn't won a cup, so it can't be St. Louis or Chicago. Could be Chicago if he was drafted there left and came back. <sighs> nah, nah, listen, you're right. Listen, man. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what else to ask. Neither do I. Is this player a center? Draft years, draft positions. I don't even know any of that stuff anyway. What <laughs> countries? Is he a center? Yes. Is it Dan Hughes? <laughs> That's your first guess. Nope. Wow. For the record, I did know Dan Ham, who was a defenseman and not in this division. But I'm trying to make it hard, so I'm going to say he is in this division. Guess yes, he is in the division. UFA. Yeah, but he's not a UFA right now. Aaron's in a weird mood. Yeah, dude, (laughs) dude, you're supposed to help me. Paul, if I could help you, I would. I am stumped. Okay, does this player have? You guys haven't even tried over 250 goals. No. All right, so he's bad. (laughs) (laughs) um okay hold on hold on is this player uh european yes european center i think no cup cup. okay so what team hasn't been successful in the central i can think of one primarily minnesota minnesota they suck (laughs) yeah how does that help like they suck Because uh, they haven't won a cup. I mean, yeah. This guy has to play over a thousand games. It's a year. Uh, is this? Come on. Is this player captain of their team? Cheers. Oh, is it Miko Koivu? It is Miko Koivu. Go. Good job, Aaron. Thanks, man. See, I sit here and I listen <laughs> and occasionally tune out. Ninety yeah, percent of the time. Miko Koivu is twenty fifth in active games played at a thousand twenty eight. He has just over 200 goals. Wow. And our last one. Dan Hughes. No. Darren I Pace. opted not to do repeating. Oh. Okay. I'm pulling up his hockey DB, but you guys can start. All right. You know the drill. Is he in the East? Yep. Is he in the Metro? Nope. All right. Atlantic. Hot Atlantic. Uh, is, is this he... player. Sorry. I'm, I'm, is this player team. He was drafted by. Yes. Hmm. Is this player Canadian? Yes. So it's not who I was thinking. Who were you thinking? Austin Matthews? Chara. Yes. Uh, Chara was not drafted by Boston. Right. Chara was drafted by the Islanders. Right. And traded to Ottawa and then to and Boston. And then signed. He signed in Boston. Didn't uh, wasn't traded. Uh, is this play? So this player was a Canadian? Yes. Maybe. Has this player won a Stanley Cup? Maybe. Okay. Let's see. Yes. <laughs> yes. Stanley Cup. So it could be. Boston, Boston or Detroit, maybe. Nah. Uh, is this player a forward? Could be Toronto. Yes. Okay. Is this player a part of the Triple Gold Club? Yes. All right. It's over. All right. Well, text it to I me. I don't know who it is. Right. And then we'll let Paul. Yes. Oh. Text it to me. That's what and I'm doing. personal message. Why? Because I Just say it. <laughs> no, it's fun. <laughs> oh, I hate you guys. All right, Aaron. Yep. All right, Paul, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Oh, wait, so it's, so it's, Canadian, oh, it's, it's Canadian a Canadian forward. Canadian forward who's won a Stanley Cup is a part of the Triple Gold Club. Is, uh, is this player French-Canadian? Yes. Okay, I think you Patrice. only need one extra question. Yes. Yeah, good job. Aaron got it. Just one question before you, but he's so cheeky in how he does it. That is our show this week. I still, I still like that trivia. It's fun. That's called good teamwork when it's just like, it's not teamwork. Yeah, I totally disagree. That what? Good teamwork, Aaron. Good <laughs> teamwork to know the answer, but don't tell your partner. <laughs> I mean, we're just slow- more interesting. We're slowly moving from every trivia is, oh, let's work together to Aaron just undermining everyone. <laughs> Have you guys any got anything more to say for this episode? Thank God we're done. Uh, <laughs> um, see you boys Tuesday at golf. I don't know. Yep. Be sure to catch us on our next episode where Aaron yells at me because I showed up to golf wearing a mushroom costume. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> catch us on Mondays. Thanks for what listening. Bye. Be sure to check us out at getofftheice.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at getofftheice.